Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. throughout this letter is to challenge and encourage the believers to live and love more like Jesus. He wants believers, he wants us who who are reading this letter today to live differently to those people around them. And as we um, look at the book of James together, this challenge is the same for us to wholeheartedly love God and love our neighbours. And, you know, our neighbour is not just the person who lives right next door to us. Our neighbours are the people that God has put around us in the, in the world around us. So, you know, the people in your family or on your street or in your community or the people in your workplace who you sit next to at, the, at your office desk and the people in your city, the people here in Manchester. And Jesus wants our devotion to God to impact the way that we live every single day. And And um, we've been seeing through the book of James how our devotion to God should change the way we treat people, the way we speak about people and our attitude towards people. Because when God touches our lives, when he fills his heart with his love for us, when he pours out his forgiveness and for our sins, our response should be to love all people in that same way. And on the one hand, we absolutely know this is true, don't we? We know it's true, that it's the best way to live. But we live in a world that celebrates a successful life that looks completely different to the successful life of love that Jesus is promoting. And success to the world looks like money, power, living how we want to, comfort, a fabulous lifestyle and wardrobe. It looks like getting our kids the best education um, and giving them the best opportunities. Every single day we're bombarded with messages that tell us this is is the um, successful life that we should be living for. And I don't know about you, but my heart has a tendency to believe it. So, and that's why I need Jesus. That's why we need Jesus. We need that daily reminder um, of the truth of God's word that says living wholeheartedly um, for him is, is going to bring us life. That's going to lead to life to the full. And actually living wholeheartedly in the way that the world says that we should live just leads to sorrow and emptiness. Um, we've got, there's a picture of Matthew Perry here who was, you will all know who he is, um, hugely successful, international celebrity with his part in the series Friends. At one point, I think in 2002, they were making $1 million per episode. And there were a lot of episodes of Friends, aren't there? Um, you know, he, he looked completely successful in the world's eyes. He owned multiple properties. I read on Wikipedia that one of them were... One of those properties was recently sold to Rihanna for $21 million. Um, 
He was successful in the world's eyes, and yet it didn't curb his addiction with battle, uh, his 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 battle with addiction. You know, and, and goodness knows what else was going on in his life and the struggles that he was facing. And we don't know how or or why he died just a few weeks ago, but we do know that things ended for him in sorrow. But when it comes to living wholeheartedly for God, we do have the perfect example, don't we? The way Jesus lived and walked on earth is so countercultural. He lived completely free of, from cultural exp- expectations on him. And his wholehearted devotion um, to God teaches us how to live and what we're to put value on and what will make us truly thrive. This morning, we're going to be looking at a really challenging passage in James. But before we do that, I wanted us to be reminded about what Jesus values and who Jesus values. Um, Here we have Jesus practicing the opening lines of the Sermon on the Mount with uh, Matthew the tax collector. Um, I love to imagine that Jesus would practice his preaches. Um, But you wouldn't actually, you won't be able to find that in the Gospels. That doesn't say that he did that. But the Beatitudes is a sermon that he preached and it talks, it's where he shares the value that he puts on people. He he, he describes it in this clip as a map, um, following a map of how to live and how to love. Jesus is calling a new community of people who live and love differently to the world around them. A people who treat all people with equal love, value and dignity, no matter what the world says their status is. He says, blessed are the poor, blessed are the hungry, blessed are those who weep, blessed are those who are hated because of Jesus. Success in God's eyes, is living wholeheartedly for God in whatever circumstances you are in and understanding your need for him. So with Jesus in mind, as we look at this passage today, I want us to be asking ourselves this question. Am I wholeheartedly living for God, loving him and loving others like Jesus did? Let me read the passage that we are looking at. It will be on the screen. Here we go. So it's from James 5, 1 to 6. Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You've hoarded wealth in the last days. Look. The wages you fail to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You've lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You've fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You've condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. Jesus is challenging and condemning the rich unbelievers around the church who are hoarding wealth, treating their workers badly and and living for themselves. And he really isn't holding back. 
It may well be that some of the believers who are hearing this letter are facing poverty directly as a result of these people. And James is reminding the believers that this kind of self-seeking, self-obsessed, money-grabbing, greedy behaviour is not the way Jesus' followers are to behave. This is not the way of the kingdom. And if you're here today and you can relate to feeling powerless at the hands of the powerful, know that God sees you in your plight and that judgment is coming. And as we try and relate to this passage today and see how it applies to us in November 2023, we can imagine James speaking to multi-millionaire CEOs using their power to line their pockets instead of looking after their employees. Or we might think about systemic failure which treats people without dignity and value. Or we might think of super rich politicians who lead our country, making decisions on behalf of people um, who are the poorest and have no clue about the day-to-day struggle that many are facing. We might think about those people, but we must also consider how these verses apply to us as well, as God's people living for a different kind of kingdom and community, we too have a responsibility to challenge systems that treat people unequally. And we too have a responsibility to share the resources that God has given us. Um, we may not have thousands of pounds in savings or, or be earning a fortune. We, we may not own multiple houses, but compared to many, I imagine that many of us have more. James calls out injustice and inequality. He fights for the rights of those who lack power. He challenges those misusing their power for their own advantage. He challenges people not to live for themselves. James is passionate on behalf of the poor, and so should we be. Just talking about the UK, the latest statistics from the Joseph Roundtree Foundation say that 20 in every 100 people in the UK live in poverty. 20 in every 100. And and I know that there are many definitions of poverty, but but the um, JRF used this definition. This is the definition which, which 20 out of 100 people are living in. Poverty means not being able to heat your home, pay your rent, or buy the essentials for your children. It means waking up every day facing insecurity, uncertainty, and impossible decisions about money. 27 in every 100 children in the UK are living in poverty. And for some particular groups, the stakes are even higher. 51 in every 100 people with a Bangladeshi ethnicity in the UK are living in poverty. 44 in every 100 with a Pakistani ethnicity are living in poverty. How are we loving our Bangladeshi and Pakistani neighbours? And in Manchester, you know, this is UK stats. In Manchester, it's even worse. If you look at uh, GMPA, they're they're an organisation that are the kind of do lots of great work, but they tell us, this is from the 2023, um, looking at DWP and and the the evidence that's provided there, one in three children in Greater Manchester are living in poverty. 
We have around 50 under 18s here at CCM Gorton. So that would be 17 of our children living in poverty, according to those statistics. But even, even within Manchester, there's inequality. Did you know that if you're a female and you live in Didsbury, you're, you're expected to live 10 years longer than a female who lives in Gorton? 10 years. That's, Didsbury is five miles down the road. Like health inequality. How can we just sit by and not do anything with these statistics? I couldn't, I couldn't find any up-to-date statistics about world poverty, but in 1987, and I can imagine it's only got worse since then, 387 billionaires equaled the combined incomes of the bottom 45% of the entire world's population, 2.5 billion people. Now, if you were at CCM Day last week, um, there was about 387 of us there. We CCM-wide, our church, makes up about 387 people around that. And that would be like our church um, having the same amount of income as the 45 percent of the world's population it's not it's not right is it it's not okay our brothers and sisters across the world find themselves wondering why we in the west care so little about their plight this is a really hard word for the church and it is a really hard word for my heart too So how do we respond to the huge inequality across the world and across our streets? What principles can we take from this passage and apply to our own lives here in 2023 in Manchester? Well, firstly, um, James says, listen. He starts this passage with listen. This is so important. It's so easy to shut our ears because it requires us to live differently. It requires us to live for God's kingdom and not our own. Many years ago, some, of, um, some friends of ours cat sat for us while we were away on holiday and they made use of our Netflix subscription. They watched endless documentaries about the food industry, about how sugar is bad for us, about how sausages are made, how animals are treated. And when we got back from our holiday, our friends had become vegans Now, I refuse to watch those kinds of documentaries because I really like sausages and I don't want to know how sausages are made. And I really like cake as well. And the thing is, we can laugh about that, but but we close our ears, don't we, to information that we don't want to hear. And we can do that um, about about the poor as well and what is going on in the world around us. We can stick our fingers in our ears because we don't want to be challenged about how we are living. We need to ask God to show us his heart for the poor around us, to open our eyes to see it. And this morning we've heard about the incredible work of the Oasis Centre. Every day this place is packed with precious people created in the image of God who are struggling to survive. Why not turn up for lunch one day and listen to some of the incredible stories of people whose bravery and resilience is beautiful despite the mountainous struggles they face every single day. And I know, I know this church is full of people who love people 
who love people. And I know this church is filled with people who have made costly decisions to follow him because they have listened. But I also know that my heart needs to hear it over and over again. Because I so quickly take my eyes off the king in his kingdom and start thinking about my own. Secondly, James says, weep and wail. It's a call to repent, to cry out and say to God, please God, get our hearts and desires straight and in line with yours. I regularly need to repent about my attitude towards, my desire for, my fears about money. I want to be walking in increasing faith and freedom in my attitude towards money. We may not be directly exploiting workers and failing to pay salaries, but I wonder where we are being tight-fisted instead of generous. I wonder where we are ignoring calls on our life to live for God's kingdom and not our own. What motivates our career choices? Is it money or status or an opportunity to love people well? What do our finances say about what we value? I'm going to be honest and vulnerable here. In our family, Tom is the man who is in charge of the money. And um, he, he is, um, I I've, I've, have got better over the years but I've not always been that great with money. And uh, when Tom and I first met, I was regularly being being charged for going over my overdraft. And um, it wasn't because I wasn't earning enough money. It was because I was clueless and foolish. I remember buying this pair of beautiful boots. I've still got them. Don't don't wear them anymore. Beautiful boots from River Island. And and somehow got sucked into buying them on credit. You know, when you get your River Island card or whatever. And I I thought, um, well, I'll just pay the minimum. And I hadn't realised that the minimum is just the interest that's being charged. And, you know, forgot all about the, this, that this money was coming out of my account. And it took me two years to realise that I'd probably paid for these boots three times or four times. And, um, and that I was actually never going to pay them off if I only paid the interest. Like, that's how daft I was. And... Um, yeah, and I, and I remember listening to a preach back in my 20s when God, like I felt really challenged to tithe my money and to give 10% to church and building his kingdom. And so in my early 20s, I started doing that. And I have to say, the moment that I made that decision to tithe my money, to, to, to give of my money to God, um, was a real turning point in my finances, <laughs> Um, and, and actually, I never went over my overdraft again. And, and it, was, it was the same amount of money that was coming in, but, I, you know, it was something to do with order, and, and um, it was incredible. But Tom is still in charge of our giving. I, I kind of give him some money for my salary, and it goes into his account, and then he does, like, the magic work with it. And um, it's all a bit of a mystery to me. But when we got back from our horrendous camping wet holiday in Wales... Um, we had this conversation and I made the most ungodly comment to one or two people um, about how if we didn't give money to church, then we might be able to afford a different kind of holiday. A few of them. 
And, um, you know, I, I, felt, I have felt so convicted about that attitude because whose kingdom am I living for? Please hear me correctly. The problem isn't with the kind of holidays that we go on. I am not having a dig at anybody who can afford to go on holidays abroad or whatever. And, and, and you know, need, I, I acknowledge that people work hard saving and to go on holiday. But the problem comes when our hearts live more for the holiday than for the kingdom of God. The problem comes when our hearts and lives seek out our kingdom first and not his. Because we know that it's only wholehearted devotion um, to God that gives us true life. We don't want to live in um, guilt and condemnation. That's not freedom. Um, You know, we have a father who loves us. Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And we want his generosity towards us to seep into our hearts so that we are a people who offer that same generosity towards those around us. We don't have to hold back our love because we are loved so deeply. He's got us. We are free to love and be generous towards the people around us. And I don't think James is calling us to live the most basic life we can possibly live so we can give all the excess away. But if we are increasingly living with a wholehearted devotion to God, listening to the whisper of the Holy Spirit in our lives, if we ask him for wisdom when we don't know what to do, if we trust him to give us what we need, when we need it, we will be free to obey him. We'll increasingly share his heart and give up choices so that other people can have choices, which will bring us true life and deep joy. And finally, we are to treasure Jesus Christ more than anything else. When Jesus is our treasure, we can be sure to have everything we need. Let me read from Luke chapter 12. It says this, then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or about your body, what you'll wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They've got no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you'll eat or drink. Don't worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all these things and your father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and these will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. 
Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, the danger that we face when we talk about this stuff is that sometimes we can live with a picture of God, um, of, of being a God that wants us to live the hardest life possible. But listen, your Father in heaven knows what you need. Your Father in heaven isn't out to make you miserable. He's out to give life to the full. Jesus says, seek, his, seek first his kingdom and these things will be added to you as well. God knows what we need. He loves us so much that he gave up his entire life on the cross for us. We're so loved. Listen to the tone here. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. We have everything we need in Jesus. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. A life with Jesus leads us into the truth which brings true freedom. Freedom which enables us to be generous and not cling to a life or an idea of a life that the world says is successful rather than what Jesus says is successful. His treasure will never fail us. I have been so challenged again as I've written this preach. And I am so aware that as I speak that we are, we are an incredibly generous church. We are standing in the grounds of a building that was built out of love for God and love for people. But I want us to live in every bit of freedom that God has for us. And that Freedom means that we share our lives and money in a way that better glorifies God. It, and yeah, and I'm, I'm up for that. Are you up for that? Yeah. And it's hard, isn't it? You know, even as I wrote that and I was practicing this preach this morning, I was like, ouch, this is hard. But I'm all in because I believe, God, that this is where the freedom is. This is where the freedom is. We've already heard that over the next few weeks, there's this opportunity to, to give big, to give financially so that others can have more. And Tim is hoping that we raise £50,000 as a, as, a, as a citywide church. £50,000 to, to three or four like incredible charities. Um, doesn't, it kind of feels like a drop in the ocean, doesn't it? But actually... £50,000 will make such a huge difference in, in the individual lives of people. So please consider what you're able to give. <coughs> I, um, I also wonder if there are people here who are struggling now or have struggled in the past with managing their finances. Maybe a little bit like me, you buy those River Island boots and you're still paying for them. You know, God knows, God sees you. And I would encourage you to pray and talk with someone about that today or this week. Let's love each other well in this tricky area of money. You know, and I also wonder if there are people here who have faced real 
injustice. I'm sure that there are people here who have faced real injustice. Maybe this is your story right now and you've been treated badly and wrongly, whether it's landlords that are charging way too much money or, or, or you've been sanctioned by the DWP or for something that you couldn't have done anything about. You know, maybe you are facing real injustice. God knows. God sees. And I'd encourage you to share with someone about that today. Let's not get embarrassed about praying about money with each other. Let's get real with each other. This is real stuff. Let's love each other well. I'd love us to um, end by lifting up our hearts and our lives to God again and asking him to help us live wholeheartedly for him and to live in all the freedom that he's paid such a price for. Let's ask him to realign our hearts, to show us his heart for the people around us. You know, as we sing again, why don't a few of us pray out? Um, but again, please, I'd encourage you to, to talk to maybe the person that you've come with or, or, or somebody else about how we can be praying for you in this stuff. Let's, let's be real with each other and, and invite God into our situations because we know that God cares for us so, so deeply.